Hi, my name is Mikkel Snyder. My PSN is Chimeric Notion. You can call me Chem. Obstensibly, what will follow is a podcast about Destiny the Game, both its original incarnation and the upcoming sequel, Destiny 2. What actually follows is a variety cast of a variety of topics prompted by Destiny as a means to look at the intersections of a long-term gaming habit, personal identity, social dynamics, the political climate, and the weird states of mind that those topics can bring. Early this morning, I made a horrible pun about today being the day that we get to glimpse a day without lights. A world without light, um, since there was a solar eclipse. Um, hours later, the Destiny Twitter revealed that there was going to be a new trailer launched. Um, at around the time that the eclipse was about to reach complete darkness, um, and you know, it's been a while since we recorded a new episodes, and this strange confluence of things felt like. It was the right time to write the script and do our special 20th episode. And for this special 20th episode, I wanted to acknowledge the strange niche that we occupy. The fact that I am a Destiny 2 podcast that's really a social gaming podcast that's really just me talking about modern day nerdity through the lens of pop culture. Which is to say, I find myself thriving in incredibly, particularly narrow fields, and I'm perfectly okay with that. So, without further ado, welcome to a podcast without lights. This episode is gonna be like a mixtape. This segment here is the prelude, and there's going to be an A-side and a B-side. There's going to be a short introduction to the particular topic and why it's been on my mind. There's going to be a weird media insert, and then there's going to be a bit of me talking about the topic through the lens of destiny. And then probably some more musings after that, and then probably an epilogue. And the structure is important because these topics are different, but they are very much in conversation with each other. And the structure implicates this. And the structure helps bridge this gap together. And these are a bit heavier topics than I have done in the past, but these are important things to dissect either way. And that is really the nature of any like responsible and good media consumption. We have to be critical of what we consume. Destiny is a shared world science fantasy first person shooter. All of these mean something particular and mean something important. Shared world alludes to the social aspect of this particular gaming experience. Science fantasy alludes to the common science fiction trappings with a distinctly magical flair. There is a reason we call the aliens that we encounter things like the Hive with the knights and the wizards, and the Vex with their goblins, hobgoblins, and minotaurs. 
And the first person shooter dictates how we interact with these elements, with all perspectives limited, with a trusty gun at our sides. Modern times have seen the replacement of a sword as the hero's weapon to the gun. And although the appeal of a sword has never been lost, it's just that the gun is the new power standard when it comes to giving power to the player. I was never big into shooters until Destiny. Bungie's mechanical design of the gunplay gives such a particular satisfaction and response to it. The way that the crosshairs snap onto a target, the pull of a trigger delivering impact, and then there's the flare. The sound of the gun, the muzzle flash, the power in the kick. And after all of that is said, we come to a similar conclusion that many other socially responsible gamers have made before me in much more nuanced ways. In a video game, the gun is a power fantasy. In the real world, the gun is a device whose explicit usage is to kill and or maim, and honestly, I think about it a lot. The following is a poem I did in a competition back in 2015, and it deals with my experience with guns when I was in high school. It's a little bit weird. Um, this is Self-Portrait of an Accused Shooter. Circa 2007. It is 2007 and I am in high school and don't have too many friends, but at the very least everyone I know is friendly, although the number of people I feel like I know at the school I could barely count with only my hands. I am told by strangers that I am quiet and unassuming in the worst way. I am told that it is hard to read exactly what I am thinking, but it's easy to see that I am a loner. I live in suburbia. The houses occupy exactly three acres of land each, and it takes three minutes to walk next door. Last summer, I learned how easy it was to mistake gunfire for fireworks. Last week, one of my few friends I think I have tells me about her boyfriend, Simon. Simon says he does not like the sound of me. Simon says I am tight-laced and pent up. Simon says I am exactly the type of kid to shoot up a school. Simon has never met me. I wait for my friend to tell me I'm not. There is a minute of silence. She says nothing. I tell no one. Dad drove me to school the next morning. There is news of a shooter somewhere down south. He changes the radio. Clearly I remember picking on the boy. Seemed a harmless little fuck. But we unleashed the lion. Circa 2014. I got a girl on my arm, dude, show respect. Something crazy, an Asian, Virginia tech. It is 2014, and I'm re-listening to an old EP, and I have to mute my computer when the line drops. Last summer, I remember hearing that ice cream and murder rates had a high correlation value. The root cause was rising temperatures or rising tempers. There was a mass shooting in Colorado two summers ago. 
A different lone wolf posted his manifesto on YouTube just last month. He claims he was the nicest guy. My friends, and thank God I now have friends call me the nicest guy. I avoid calling myself that. I read on Tumblr that the difference between a gunshot and a firework is that one echoes, echoes, echoes as it breaks through the sound barrier. I went to a party and the host jokingly suggests we play Simon Says. There is a memory stirring in me not unlike a 22 rattling in a skull cap. I never picked up a gun. I'd be lying if I said his words were anything less than shrapnel in my gray matter and I'm still scared that someone could ever think I could do that. And I'm still scared because there is this dark part of me that is always wondering what exactly it would take to pull the trigger. This is another uh, piece about uh, gun violence specifically relating to the event in Colorado I alluded to in the last one. Um, this was at the Dark Knight Rises premiere, if you remember what happened in Aurora. Uh, this is to a fanatic from a fan. James Egan Holmes. Have you ever danced with the devil by the pale moonlight? Because there is a cacophony of shell casings and broken pearls in the back alley of every theater district playing as the prelude to a story you and I both know. It starts with a man putting on a mask and becoming a monster. Doesn't matter if they're a hero or a villain. And see, I'm just a fan who is watching a film silently acknowledging the absence of an icon before reading a comic and the news the next day. 82 people wounded in Aurora shooting at The Dark Knight Rises midnight premiere. Called yourself the Joker. It was the deadliest shooting in Colorado since Columbine. But what scares me the most is that Columbine could have been me. Aurora could have been me. Not sure if I would have been victim or assailant, but I heard this joke once. Chill out, kid. You look like you're gonna shoot the place up. And I choke, trying not to give into the pre-recorded laugh track that they expect. Trying not to turn a chuckle into it. <laughs> James, you and I have both been told to jump without the spotlights to save us. When I watched your trial unfold on network news, I shout out all sound and sense. When I saw your hair was dyed fire red instead of evergreen, snapping back to reality once they announced the plea, insanity. Like madness was some sort of emergency exit. Like you could just step outside and walk away. In comics, you only never need just one bad day. But in real life, it's never just one bad day. Just because you didn't take a swan dive into a vat of chemicals doesn't mean you didn't succumb to chemicals. We understand neurochemistry as much as Gotham understands why Batman doesn't just kill the Joker. We've convinced ourselves our convictions are not misplaced. And Arkham is a collection of case studies in single-issue psychology, psychopathy, and comics. There's only ever one thing wrong with them. How many things are wrong with you? How many things could be wrong with me? Because when we went out that night, 
picked up her keys, costumes, and tickets. What made you pick up a gun? And what stopped me from picking up a crowbar and start swinging until they were singing like Robin? There were 12 people dead. 70 injured in the name of a comic. Ace of Knaves, Holoquin of Hate, the crown prince of crime himself, is a fictional character. And I got no sympathy for another mad clown going around capping kids, lining graves with comic book and film reels. And my only question is, did you really think anyone would laugh? This isn't a topic I bring up a lot in typical conversation. That when I was in high school, somebody profiled me as the type of person who would shoot up a school. That I thought about it a lot in 2012. That I still think about it to this day. It's a harrowing idea, right? And in a lot of ways, it's one of the things that has really defined me. And it's defined me because I think I've spent a lot of time proving that I am not that person. That I'm so much better than some asshole's perception of me. But it's something that I think about a lot. I think about it every time I see something like that on the news. The Dark Knight Rises premiere being one of the most inciting events that led me to rethink this. And, you know what world we live in today is just really weird a lot of the time. I don't believe violent media makes us violent, at least not for most of us. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with first-person shooters, but to do complete disregard it completely is to do a disservice to oneself as a critical consumer. The gun is merely an implement, but it's an implement with a very specialized purpose. And this contradicts what I said in the poem, but I have used guns before, but like BB guns, paint guns, laser guns. Um, might have used a rifle once when I was a kid, I, I can't remember anymore. And I'm not against doing any of those things. I'm all for making sure that guns have strict laws enforced to protect life though. I'm all for alternative solutions to violent weapons. I'd like a world where we don't have a shooting occur and then have a conversation about it and then have it fade away and then repeat this conversation again in an endless cycle sometimes. I'm tired of it. My friends are tired of it. And maybe there's not a clear, clean solution and I'm not trying to find one here, I'm just sort of thinking and musing on the fact that one of my favorite gaming experiences, easily the game I've spent the most time with ever, is a first-person shooter. And it's a game with a very clear good and a very clear evil. There are things that have red text over their head and they are clearly bad because they aren't us and even if they look like us it's okay because there's a ghost that will revive them momentarily. But of course, humanity and its allies are in the rights. Of course, we are the noble ones here. We are merely defending what is ours. Which, of course, brings us to our next topic.
destiny positions us as humanity's remnants. Even the Awoken and Exo or some human-esque thing. And this is to be expected. If you look at the vast majority of science fiction franchises, we see a human protagonist at center stage. It happens with movies and video games and books, and it's because of this concept of human centrism. And that basically means we view ourselves at the center of everything. And that follows logically. Humanity is what is familiar to us. We are humans. It is easier to identify with something that at least resembles us. And that's not always true, but it's a good baseline. But here's a central issue that comes up, and it's one that applies to humanity and to specific cultures within humanity. And this fact is the root cause of many long-standing conflicts. It's this imposition of belief and normality, and what and it drives things like colonialism and westward expansion and, you know, the use of guns against those that don't look like us. And it's hard to like explain human centrism or cultural centrism sometimes because people will refuse to see it. And it's weird seeing how human centrism interacts with Destiny and its audience, but we're going to try. Uh, the next two segments are going to be excerpts from the Book of Sorrows. And in lore, the Book of Sorrows is a 50 chapter narrative that details the origin of one of the alien species in Destiny, the Hive and the Pantheon Gods. And we'll come back to this idea of human centricity in, in a couple of minutes. So, uh, get ready for some dramatic fanfiction. Not fanfiction, dramatic readings of the Destiny War. Book 10 of the Books of Sorrow, verse 2, Immortals. We are the worm, your god, the flesh of hope. Our compact is done, you are Orish, eternal, and we are bound to you, as close as your appetites as your loves or needs, as the weapon in your fists and the word in your throats. We've had enough of this dismal place, haven't you? We are interrogating your ship with lava. Go back to your species. Spread the good news in the Osmian court and the hydrogen fountain in the bone plaza and the star surgery. You will rise up into the world. If anyone rejects symbiosis with our children, make an example of them. A mighty wave is coming for them all. They'll die anyways. Save only what can be saved. The worm grants you power over your own flesh, Orish. When you've taken the kin wolf, what will your adult name be? Oryx. It means long fought. We approve. An excerpts from the Books of Sorrow, Chapter 42. Interdite, simulate, worship. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to salt my meat with your briny little thoughts. I'm going to cook flesh on your broken molten hull. Insinuate, subvert, replicate. The ship is my throne. 
You want to take it from me. You want to fill it with your own spawn and use it for your abstract purpose, but I defy you. Observe, imitate, usurp. You will never be what I am. Simulate me, wretch. Calculate the permutations of my divinity. Compute the death in the shape of my throne. Render my shadow on the stone of 10,000 graveyard worlds. It will never be enough. I hold the tablet of ruin. I speak to the deep. Not with a galaxy of thinking matter could encompass me. Behold, unknown, enigma. Short for a bolt, halt, a bolt. In chapter 42 of the Books of Sorrow, we see a translation. It is written in English from a hive account of a conversation with a Vex machine. That's not something you would ever think about, is it? Uh, the fact that it's been doubly or triply filtered even. If you've ever used Google Translate to corrupt a string, you know how easy it would be. Language is malleable and mutable. Concepts don't necessarily have equivalent ones in a different language. The precision of language varies. Symbols don't have exact correlations either, and if you saw Arrival, a fantastic film from yesteryear, you see that in action. Language is complicated, and we don't really understand human language, and we only understand human language because of globalization and digitalization, and it's still rough. And you know how crazy it sounds when we say that millions of individuals have agreed that certain sounds and utterances when produced in a particular sequence allow the creation of mental images that somehow match with enough clarity that we understand each other. If I told you I'm looking at my hands, you know what I'm referring to. An appendage that is attached to my body that can let me write symbols that correspond to specific sounds that you could also understand. But the words in chapter 42, when translated, they may not mean the same thing as they were in the original conception. And this brings us back to chapter 10. This is where Oresh becomes Oryx. And Oresh was a princess of the hive. And Oryx is the Taken King, and these are human terms. The gender binary is a human construct with antiquated dimensions, and online you can see some conversations about the whole Oryx-Oryx bit and trying to apply human terms to it, and it's something that always strikes me as odd. We're talking about a species of humanoid insectosoids that kill each other for fun after being infected by space worms that gave them the ability to ungraft their soul to achieve a functional immortality. We can barely use labels correctly when we are talking about ourselves and the other people that we interact with, and there are folks that want to try to apply human vocabulary to something alien to something that we don't have words for or experiences with. And that's some bullshit right there. 
And that's not fair to actual humans, and that's not fair to the high, fictional, and evil as they are. Our conception is limited. Our language is human-centric. Our ability to comprehend is predicated on our willingness to accept that our initial conceptions may be wrong. And honestly, there's a chance that I'm overthinking a video game. But at the same time, language matters. The words that we say matter. And if we are not thinking critically about how we label things, how we use our words, I'm not really sure what the point is. And maybe we'll talk about that more in the next 20 episodes. Who knows? So that concludes the 20th episode media mixtape type thing. Um, I hope you appreciate the change in format for the milestone episode and the slightly heavier topics um, that we talked about in today's episode. Uh, so some minor bookkeeping. Uh, this upcoming Saturday on the 26th, I'm actually going to be raiding with the folks over at Black Nerd Problems, and I'll also announce that on Saturday through a broadcast, because that, that is an option. Uh, next week is the Destiny 2 BC beta, and my laptop is ready to download it and have a lot of fun with it. Um, and we're probably going to be doing a small collaboration with our friends over at Intelligame Radio, and by friends, I mean friends. Uh, Josh Boykin is doing a lot of cool work, and I'm excited to do another collaboration with him. And then after that, that's launch. And I have watched the Eclipse trailer, as I'm calling it now, um, about seven different times already. And I'm probably going to watch it seven more times tomorrow for the, and the day after that. Um, it's exciting. Things are about to get really interesting. So... I hope this could brighten your day, Guardians. We just got a glimpse of a world without light, and it's a strange one, but I think we're going to be ready for it.